You're watching Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Talking Ducks is presented by Pacific Clear Vision Institute and Les Schwab Tire Centers. Well, we are back. Talking Ducks is coming your way now every Tuesday for a full hour to give you everything you need to get ready for the next matchup for the Ducks. And so it's great to be here. Thank you again to everybody that helped make it possible. And it's great to get the gang back together as we talk about this disappointing loss to Stanford and how does Oregon bounce back? Is there truly a conversation at the quarterback position with Anthony Brown? And what's next for a team dealing with a ton of injuries? But let's go ahead and get to our opening drive brought to you by Les Schwab Tire Centers where they've been doing the right things since 1952. When we bring in the rest of the crew, Joey Harrington, Anthony Newman, and Aaron Fentress, and fellas, great to see you. We'll catch up on all the pleasantries here in a moment, but Joey, let's start with the end of this game. Is this a game that the Ducks lost, or is this something that the officials robbed from Oregon down the stretch of this one? Uh, no, 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 no. Um, Oregon lost this football game. I mean, that's... That's fact. No matter what calls an official makes, good or bad, and we can have this discussion a little bit later, there are 126 other things that lead up to that point where an official needs to make a call. This game could have been put away in a variety of different ways at a variety of different times. Um, so yeah, or Oregon didn't do the things that they needed to do to finish the game. And, and, and that's, that's the fact. Now, regarding the officials and, and, and the calls at the end of the game, I'm assuming we're talking about targeting, roughing the passer, and then the, was it PI or, or holding in the end zone, whatever it was. If you look at the first two calls, you may not like them, and you may not agree with the rule and how it's written, but they were called by the letter of the law, right? And you may say, oh, that's a stupid, that's a, that's a stupid rule, but it's a rule. And that's what the referees have to call. They called those penalties by the rule book. Didn't like them, but they called them correctly. The last one, I don't understand. The last one literally was the Stanford receiver putting his hand in the face mask of the, of the Oregon DB to push him out of the way. And now we've got a penalty and an untimed down. So I don't agree with that at all. I think that was a completely missed call. But the fact that there were four full quarters of football that led up to that point, uh, it, Oregon, Oregon let that one get away. I wasn't the officials. Aaron, you really look at this final drive, though, for Oregon, both on offense and defense, and this is a chance for them to really put this game away, a game that they started off so poorly, but there's still some things standing out, as Joey pointed out, that the Ducks could have controlled down the stretch of this game. Well, first of all, I agree with Joey, which is a weird way to start out the first edition <laughs> of the return of Talking Ducks, but the bottom line is the first two penalties they were what they are. That's the rule. You just can't hit people in the head, especially quarterbacks in the pocket. We all know this. The pass interference was garbage. I'll say that straight out. That was ridiculous. That's two guys battling down there for the ball. I didn't see much contact. That shouldn't have been called. And that's the most important one because game's over right there, right? But bottom line here is this. Stanford had two false starts backed up inside their 10. And from that point on, that final drive plus overtime, they gained 112 yards. 90 of them came on quick slants. 
and they were wide open. Why? Because the Ducks were trying to bring pressure, but weren't coming close to getting home to the quarterback because he's throwing quick slants. The ball's gone like this, and Oregon never adjusted. They kept running the same silly blitzes over and over again instead of dropping backers into the slant lanes and making it more difficult for the quarterback. I said 7-9 on slants. The two incompletions on slants were the plays that were turned out to be penalties. The helmet to helmet and then the roughing the passer. So you scratch those. They were really 7-7 seven for, seven for 90 yards. And in overtime, they completed three slants, including the game winner for the touchdown. So, yes, complain about the officials if you want to. The bottom line is Oregon has to make an adjustment and, if, and force Stanford to do something other than throw the slant all day. It's a high school play. It's a junior. It's a Pop Warner play. They got to stop it. I agree with you a little bit because when you talk about the slant, you know, the easiest, and Joey, you can, you can talk about this, the easiest throw in football is the slant. And as a defensive back, and if you're in man coverage, you need to take the inside away. And I don't know if it's young corner, corners that are not staying inside and understanding their technique and fundamentals because you got to take the inside away. Um, but, you know, we're talking about the game itself and how Oregon lost the game. It's true. They lost the game. You can't blame game on officials. There's 60 offensive plays. There's 60 defensive plays on average. Okay. You may have the four, three to four bad calls that's going to go against you. Sometimes they'll go with you. The game is for the offense to win. I'm telling you right now, the defense, you play one hand behind your back. So you're going to get called on everything. And it's, and, and you know that as a defender. So yes, we can question those calls from the, from the official, but at the end of the day, when you got those 60 plays on offense and you got those 60 plays on defense, there's your chance to win the football game and Oregon lost it. Well, let's go ahead and get to our Par Lumber postgame sound brought to you by Par Lumber. Go where the builders go. Here's head coach Mario Cristobal after the game. Well, we came back strong. You know, we came back strong in the second half and we were uh, one first down away from taking the air out of the ball. When we get to success, the fall starts. Put us along down to some situations and then pin them at the 10 and didn't get it done. So... I don't know what to tell you, except there's no excuse. Got to get it done. Well, you hear from Coach Cristobal. Still some inconsistencies for this team. Now the third straight week after an impressive win over Ohio State. And, Joey, it seems like this Oregon team is taking steps backwards as they continue to go through the season rather than moving forward like a championship team might do at this point. I might, I might disagree with your, your phrasing just a little bit. I think they were dealing with some things at the start of the season. Absence of Thibodeau, Thibodeau trying to figure that out, um, you know, trying to find an offensive identity. So I don't necessarily think they went backwards as much as I think they just kind of stayed stagnant and didn't necessarily fix the things that that they need to fix if they're going to be a championship team. We've seen one week of championship performance and we've seen three weeks of, well, I guess that'll get it done most of the time. And so I don't think they're stepping backwards as much as they're just kind of staying the same. And, you know, I guess if you quote Tommy boy, you know, you're either growing or you're dying. There ain't no third direction. Right. So maybe, <laughs> maybe you're right. All right. I'm probably going to get myself into trouble here, but I'm, I'm here to keep it real. Remember that's what I do. So I looked at this team coming into the season by reflecting on last season. They were four and three. Yes. They won the pac 12 title air quotes. They won a game against USC that they decided to call a Pac-12 title. This was a 4-3 and three team at the end of the day. They were very consistent in passing the ball, running the football, and their defense allowed 28 points a game. You come into this year, 
It's the same thing. They're inconsistent in the exact same areas, but they beat Ohio State, which gave a lot of people a lot of hope. But you have to ask yourself, was that an upset or was that a sign that Oregon had arrived? I think Ohio State players and fans and coaches view that loss the same way Oregon's players, fans, and coaches view the Stanford loss, that they lost to an inferior team. So if we look at the Ohio State game as an upset victory and then recognize all the problems this team has, then you're going to come to the realization that playoffs were never really in the picture. For me, you scrap that and you're looking at just trying to win the North at this point because right now, that's anything but a given. Anthony, do you agree? Well, I think we're making history here because I have to agree with Aaron again, <laughs> just a little bit. Now, it, it, at one point, I'm, I'm going to stop agreeing with you, okay, because you're talking crazy, but you are talking some good, some good knowledge here. Consistent, okay, and Joyce said this earlier. If, if you're going to the NFL, NFL scouts and coaches, they always say we want to see players who are consistent in their play. Four quarters. 60 snaps, can you be consistent for us? We don't want that roller coaster player. Well, right now, Oregon, I think they're having that, you know, that roller coaster time. And when they play from the first quarter to the fourth quarter, very inconsistent in the Stanford game. The first half, the defense didn't show up. The second half, they showed up. Can you play four quarters of football, top defense, sound defense, be, you know, understanding the situations, understanding what you need to do? We haven't seen that. Now, do you blame that on youth? Is it a young football team? I don't know. But until they find how to be consistent in a four-quarter game, they'll struggle at times. All right, well, don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll take a deeper dive into the play of Anthony Brown. And a lot of folks saying there's maybe time for a quarterback change. We'll let you know why, hey, might need to pump the brakes on that thought. Stick around. You're watching Talking Ducks. Sometimes, leadership is scary. But so is regret. Car Lumber is committed to providing the best customer service. We provide personal service. We're problem solvers. We're positive and courteous. We're competent and professional. We are committed to delivering exceptional service every time. We're appreciative and we care. We are Par Lumber. Stay in the game this season with Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Former Duck greats Joey Harrington, Anthony Newman, and Jordan Kent are joined by Aaron Fentress each week as they give you the most comprehensive duck insight and opinion you can find. Interviews, analysis, play breakdowns, and tons of exclusive content will make you a more entertained and educated fan this year. Catch all the question on Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Eugene Airport is a proud part of what makes Western Oregon such a unique place to be. With nonstop routes that connect to hundreds of destinations, fly local, fly EUG. Stories tell us that great leaders are anointed at birth, chosen, 
by the hand of fate. But those are just stories. You're watching Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Excuse my language, but I play like uh, and can't do anything about it, but fix it and move on from it. Um, straight away from the way we practice, um, the reads, simple reads, um, and it bit us bad. Um, didn't execute really too well. Uh, had a chance. Put it away, didn't, and I, I would gladly take the blame on that. Time to put things into focus, brought to you by Pacific Clear Vision Institute, the official eye doctors and eye surgeons of the Oregon Ducks. Well, no sugarcoating coming from Anthony Brown after the performance against Stanford, obviously up and down and a lot of throws and plays that he would take back. And Joey, a lot of scrutiny, of course, for a quarterback, especially of a team that's in the top five. But Looking at Anthony Brown, this game against Stanford, how do you evaluate the way that he tried to carry this Oregon team to a near comeback victory? Well, I'll give him credit for trying to carry them back, right? But you have to acknowledge what put them there in the first place. And we've talked about this, Jordan, you and I, you know, and, and Anthony and Aaron just, you know, separately. Anthony Brown has never been a consistently accurate passer, right? He's always kind of lived in the 55, 56% range, which in today's game where you're throwing bubbles, you're throwing quick slants, you're throwing screens, you're getting the ball out of your hands. That's not good enough to sustain drives. Um, and we saw it last week against Arizona, missing guys behind coming across the middle on balls that that would have sustained drives you put it in front of him he makes the catch you sustain the drive you keep the ball in your hands you keep it out of the opposing hands you go score points they don't score points that came back and bit him in the butt this week because he missed those same balls he made those same poor decisions that we were talking about that that we you know we talked about in the first week that he was making poor decisions thinking okay it's right out of the gate this is something that it, I don't want to say we've seen who he is, but I think we know what the ceiling is with Anthony Brown, right? You, you saw his best performance against Ohio State. That, that, was, that was fantastic. That was executing Moorhead's game plan to perfection, relying on the running game, relying on a great defense in the first half, and taking care of things you needed to do to win the game. The other games, we've seen the inconsistency. And so, I don't know. Yeah, he, he did a nice job of, of trying to bring them back, but I think that the decisions along the way were part of the reason why they were in that place to begin with. So obviously Brown doesn't play a good game here, Anthony, but here's somebody that immediately after the game shoulders the blame and steps up and doesn't point to anybody else and holds himself accountable. When you look at leadership and you look at these moments in the year where a team is disappointed, they need to pull themselves back up, what do you make about his ownership of everything that happened on Saturday? I love it because he didn't say we need to do better. He said, I need to do better. I need to take care of the ball. I need to get better reads. I need to throw the football better. And that's really important. When you, when you hear quarterbacks or, or most of the time the quarterbacks say, oh, yeah, you know, quarterback throws five picks. Yeah, we need to do better. We? What do you mean we? You, you got to do better. So 
He didn't say that. He, he, he put the blame on himself. I'm not so quick to throw him to the wolves. I, you know, yes, he's made some poor decisions. He's, he's protected the football. He hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions. When you have a quarterback that's throwing a lot of interceptions and you're turning over the football, then you have a major problem. He can hurt you with his legs. He scores a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. He's a threat in the red zone. I'm going to hold off. I'm going I'm to let the guy work, work the, the kinks out a little bit more. He's, he's got a good supporting cast. It, you know, it, I think it's kind of early to say, well, he's not our answer. And he might not be the answer. That's okay. But anytime you start making major changes this early, kids start to wonder, well, what's going on here? Wait, 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 wait. What's go you know, now, is it divided? Some guys want him. Some guys don't. Do you want to do that right now at the beginning of the season? In my opinion, I, I, I let him go. Let him, let him try to keep work things out. I know it could get too late, but I think he's a good enough player to win with him. That's a good point, Anthony, because it gets us to our hot topic brought to you by Comfort Flow Heating, the HVAC industry leader in Western Oregon since 1961. And Joey, as you've been more adept on Twitter over the last couple of weeks, you saw some Duck fans get their pitchforks ready asking for a quarterback change after the loss to Stanford. But that is the number one question, I think, for a lot of fans that might be very frustrated with the performance against the Cardinal. Is it time for a quarterback change? Is that something that should even be discussed in the meeting rooms with the Ducks, or to Anthony's point, listen, it's just a bad game. He's still your most experienced quarterback moving forward. Where does this team stand on a possible quarterback shuffle? Okay, let, let, let's come at this from an objective, a completely objective perspective, all right? I think we know what our ceiling is with Anthony Brown, right? And I think if you apply that accurately, if you apply what we saw against Ohio State, and you also apply what we saw against Stanford, um, you know, you're probably looking at a, a nine and three football team this year. I mean, I think that's nine and three, 10 and two, you know, you, you get a couple bumps, a couple more injuries, eight and four, you know, that's kind of the, the area that you sit in. Anthony Brown is not going to be the guy that puts the team on his shoulders and carries you to victory in those, in those difficult times. I, I think we've seen enough sample size that we know what he is and what he isn't. Um, I think there's valid point. I think Anthony has a valid point. Like, do you necessarily throw him to the wolves just because he's not a superstar? Now, on the flip side of that, people want to see Thompson. People want to see the young freshman. The grass isn't always greener here, right? This is not a guarantee that you put a new hot, you know, big arm freshman in, that he's not going to make more mistakes that actually cost you in the long run, right? Could he make those downfield throws? Will he potentially make better decisions to push the football? Yeah, he, he could. That's 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 a very realistic possibility. But it's also a very realistic possibility that, you know, he throws for three touchdowns and two or three picks. And those two or three picks are costly, just as costly as the indecision or the poor decision by Anthony to begin with. So I don't know that there's a right answer here. Um, and, and Anthony, you had a good point. Like, what does the locker room feel? If you, if you switch to a, a freshman quarterback right now, what are you telling the guys in the locker room? Are you saying, hey, this season's over and, and we are trying to prepare for down the road? Do you, you know, does the lack of Moorhead in this game, the, the, the stable play caller that, that knows what to call and when to call it, 
um, for his quarterback? Does his absence play a factor in this? Or is, is this just Anthony going out and, you know, like we talked about, Stephen Jones was pulling on that goal, on that goal line uh, option. You know, Verdell's out there wide for a pitch and Anthony Brown chose to go up the middle. Uh, and what, what's actually more concerning for me was the second down pass play in the fourth quarter where everybody knows if you are an experienced quarterback, you, t- you don't throw an incompletion, right? You call that play and you say to your quarterback, look, if this is not wide open and it is not an absolute completion, do not throw the ball, run back to the line of scrimmage, take a sack, eat, eat it, keep this clock running and force Stanford to use their final timeout. Because as it came down, they had a final timeout there at the end on the five yard line and that decision cost them as well. So Look, there's no right answer. There's no good answer. Um, somebody's going to be disappointed no matter what you choose. But um, I guess that's why that's why they pay the coaches to make those decisions because they have a pulse on what's going on. They know what the locker room is like. They will know what the meeting room is like. But on either side, you've got positives and negatives. Quick thought from you, Aaron. I liken this situation in many ways to what we saw in 2016 when the Ducks brought in Dakota Prukop to be the bridge starter while they were wondering what's going to happen with some young quarterbacks, right? But the difference is that year we kept hearing these murmurs about this quarterback, this young quarterback in camp and killing it in practice in Justin Herbert. People were calling him Herbiota and comparing him to Mariota. So when Dakota fell off, you had this mystery guy to go to that everyone had been raving about. We don't have that now. I'm not hearing from my sources that Ty Thompson is killing it in practice. And think about this. He is a five-star recruit, number one rated QB in the country. Usually those players are destined to be first-round picks in many instances. He's been there since the winter, and he hasn't beaten out Brown yet. They came into camp. He couldn't beat out Brown. He, Brown hasn't played that well, and Ty hasn't made any inroads there. Plus, against Stony Brook, when he started the second half, the game wasn't really in doubt. It was 17-7. You knew Oregon was going to win. But they didn't run complex things for Ty. They ran hitches with a corner over the top. They ran flats, screens. I think he threw three or four hitches in that game. Very simplistic passing concepts, which tells me that either, A, they were really trying to hide stuff, but I think it's more that they didn't want to give him too much. So do you really want him to go out there if he's not ready to run the entire playbook and play against Pac-12 competition? I wouldn't. So for me, Anthony Brown's still the guy moving forward. He's an adult. He's experienced. He knows how to run the offense. He's just not necessarily great, but I don't think Ty Thompson is quite ready. A lot of negative things against Stanford, but we're going to switch gears to something positive when we come back on Talking Ducks. We'll highlight a few plays on offense and also let you know what stood out about this Oregon defense as they shut the Cardinal down in the second half. Stick around. Plenty more Talking Ducks when we come back. Sometimes leadership is scary. But so is regret. Lumber is committed to providing the best customer service. We provide personal service. We're problem solvers. We're positive and courteous. We're competent and professional. We are committed to delivering exceptional service every time. We're appreciative and we care. We are Par Lumber. Stay in the game this season with Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Former Duck greats Joey Harrington, Anthony Newman, and Jordan Kent are joined by Aaron Fentress each week as they give you the most comprehensive duck insight and opinion you can find. 
interviews, analysis, play breakdowns, and tons of exclusive content will make you a more entertained and educated fan this year. Catch all the quaction on Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Eugene Airport is a proud part of what makes Western Oregon such a unique place to be. With nonstop routes that connect to hundreds of destinations, fly local, fly EUG. Stories tell us that great leaders are anointed at birth, chosen by the hand of fate. But those are just stories. You're watching Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Welcome back. It's time for our Thing of Beauty, presented by Dr. Lee B. Daniel and Aesthetic Plastic Surgery. Live beautiful. And this was one of the bright spots for the Oregon offense. Anthony Brown to Pittman for the huge completion and gain. Oregon offense rolling in that second half. And you figured you would have seen more plays like that. If the Ducks had their offensive coordinator, Joey, a late scratch for Joe Moorhead. And for an Oregon team already missing players left and right, now you're down an offensive coordinator on the road. How big of an impact does that have in a game like this? That, that was huge. Um, I think the biggest example was what we saw the very last play of the game, right? Anthony Brown's strengths are being out of the pocket, are, are, are making plays with his feet, being a dual threat guy who, who can throw it or run it and put a defender in a bad position. We saw a straight drop back on, on the play that, that was going to decide the game. We just saw him in the pocket. And then he had to scramble and throw into the sideline. As an offensive coordinator, you develop a rapport with a player. And, and, and I think we saw the best of that against Ohio State. That game plan was, ex was designed and executed perfectly, to perfection. And I don't think we saw the same kind of fluid game plan called um, with, with Moorhead gone. And, and I think that's a fair thing to say. It's not a knock on anybody else. It's just, it's just a fact that, you know, I know if I was missing Jeff, Jeff Tedford, when I was, when I was at Oregon, I would be a little bit lost and, and I wouldn't say lost, but I would be. Plays would be different. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get to our solid stop brought to you by Milan Stoneworks, bringing you the finest stoneworks in the Northwest. And Anthony, that Oregon defense in the second half, Stanford seemed like they were able to take advantage of some Oregon turnovers in the first half, but the Cardinal couldn't get anything going in the second half. What stood out to you about this Oregon defense as they helped get the Ducks back into the game? Well, I think it was the run defense. I mean, Stanford ran for about 112 yards the first half, and then the second half they ran for 12 yards. I've never seen a Stanford team be, you know, held for 12 yards and a half. Uh, that's what they do. They run the football. Uh, and so Oregon did a great job of, of doing that, taking that part of the game away. But we have to, I'm not making excuses, so I don't want no response, Aaron. Just, just, just hear me out. I'm not making excuses for this team. <laughs> I'm not making excuses, but it, this team has been injured on defense since day one. They haven't had all their starters. And throughout the season, guys are going in and out, uh, and they're playing with a lot of different players. Uh, and so it's tough that way. But at the same time, uh, and I sound like a broken record, record, but you have to be consistent when you play defense.
Because when you when you when you're not consistent and you do something that's going to hurt you, it's going to it's going to be a touchdown. And we've seen that happen a couple of times with some young players. This defense is young. Noel Sewell's probably the best defender that's out there all season that he's been out there all season healthy, but yet I think he's playing with a bad shoulder. And so and he's still young. Yes, he's a sophomore and he's a stud, but he's still a baby. So this team is young and they've had injuries. They're a good defense. They fly around, they get to the quarterback when Thibodeau's healthy, but at the same time, they make some mental mistakes that you see that like, ah, that's youth. That's a, that's a young team. I love the turnovers. They lead the nation in turnovers. It's a great job, but you still got to be consistent in, in four quarters of football. The thing for me about this defense, and I agree with you, Anthony, they are young and they're banged up, but they weren't that good last year. And and the problem was in 2019, they were elite. They were one of the best in the country, but almost all those guys are gone. And I think some of the mindset with some people was that, oh, we've been recruiting defense like crazy. We got top 10 classes. We got four five-star kids on the defense, but we got to emphasize that they're kids. They're still young. Sewell is a, a sophomore, but how many games did he play last year? He was injured and it was a shortened season, right? So Justin Flo gets injured. He's out. Kayvon's missing games. Like It's just a situation where all the talent they've recruited just isn't there. And then even when those guys are out there or when other guys are filling in who are also high-end recruits, they're all young. They're all inexperienced. So I don't really blame the defense necessarily for where it is. Given the injuries, they need time to grow and mature. And how about just being healthy? I mean, that would help. It certainly is, and when we come back, we'll talk more about how C.J. Verdell's injury, the impact it'll have on the Oregon offense, who steps up next. Plus, we catch up with Cam McCormick as he continues another comeback as we continue along on this edition of Talking Ducks. Car Lumber is committed to providing the best customer service. We provide personal service. We're problem solvers. We're positive and courteous. We're competent and professional. We are committed to delivering exceptional service every time. We're appreciative and we care. We are Par Lumber. Eugene Airport is a proud part of what makes Western Oregon such a unique place to be. With nonstop routes that connect to hundreds of destinations, fly local, fly EUG.
You're watching Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Talking Ducks is presented by Pacific Clear Vision Institute and Les Schwab Tire Centers. Well, the Ducks certainly struggling with injuries. They piled up a couple more against Stanford. Aaron, you have the latest, and some of these injuries pretty significant for Oregon. Yeah, these injuries keep piling up. Bennett Williams, I'm told, broken fibula out for six weeks. And that's just devastating because this kid was looking great. He was looking like a young Anthony Newman. I ain't lying right there. But he will be back. That's the good news there. However, C.J. Verdell, I'm hearing he's out for the season. Knee injury, that is not good. This is a team that does not have a lot of running back depth at all. You've got Dye, of course, who looked really good in that game against Stanford. And he's looked good all season, actually. But after that, you have young guys like Benson and Caldwell, who have, excuse me, Cardwell, who haven't carried the ball very often. So it's going to be pretty dicey to see what they do behind Dye, because Dye isn't the biggest guy in the world either. So he's going to need some help carrying the rock. Just some devastating injuries for the Ducks as they try to come back from those. We'll see if they have the depth. But let's go ahead and get to our excellence off the field, presented by Ferguson Wellman. Ferguson Wellman taking a disciplined approach to investing. Our very own Aaron Fentress had a chance to catch up with Cam McCormick. You've worked so hard to get to this point. What motivates you to keep going to get back on the field and play football again? Um, I just think that like I haven't been able to prove to myself like what I'm capable of doing at a collegiate level. You know, after my high school, you know, career being cut short. Um, never really got to finish there. And then obviously these few couple injuries that I've had in Oregon, um, I just haven't accomplished what I want to accomplish, you know, on the field. Um, I thought this year was going to be the year. I was feeling really good, obviously, from the, the previous uh, surgeries. But, you know, things happen, and I guess you got to just keep rolling with them. One of the thing, things your mom, Deb McCormick, told me, and she's obviously was a huge uh, supporter of yours throughout this entire ordeal, and uh, you've yourself described mama's boy, but uh, she said, you know, for three years, you almost felt invisible because you couldn't get out there and play. You were just the guy who was hurt and rehabbing, and well, we see him again, won't he? And then you got to play, and you were killing it. Like, let's, I'm just say it straight out. You look like an NFL, can, you know, caliber prospect blocker, and you definitely have receiving skills. And she says that, that just getting out there on that stage and contributing to that win really invigorated you to the point where the injury wasn't going to keep you back. You were just even more pumped up than ever to get out there and keep proving that you can play at, a, at an elite level. I really didn't know like how much I was going to be contributing. Um, I kind of found out you know, the day of the game that like, you know, like I'm going to be starting the game. And I was like, wow, like, I was so amped up and ready to go. Like, I mean, I was prepared. I, I've been prepared for this moment when the time was going to come. I didn't just didn't know when. But um, being able to go out there and see how I was playing against such a, you know, highly ranked team, I was like, I feel like I didn't even skip a beat. And that just showed myself, like, oh, I still do have, like, what it takes to play at this level. And I still can play at this level um, despite all the injuries that I've had. So looking back like on the injury, like, in, like getting refueled, like it was just what I needed. Like there had been so many times in the past that I hadn't been rewarded for all this, you know, the stuff that I had, you know, put in in the off season to try and play. It always backed up short. But this time, like I was able to get out there, play, had a big catch, and I felt like myself again. And like it almost like rejuvenated me to like want to keep you know, pushing through this adversity. Um, 
and that's all it is just a little bit of adversity that little brush it off my shoulder and keep going and you inspired a man named jim davis a, uh, a seattle-based oregon fan alum of oregon who was watching it with his friend on the phone and he was cheering and saw you get hurt was like oh no this is horrible and then he, he saw your comments and he was like we need to do something for this young man now we're in the nil era you know your mom even said to me it's tough for players who aren't playing to get nil deals this is sort of an nil character uh, category but he went out and said let's let's start some kind of gear for him something that he can sell that fans uh can purchase and that'll benefit you and just be something that's an inspirational piece to put out there for, for fans to enjoy and uh, think of you as you go through this ordeal. Tell me a little bit about how that came about and where people can purchase uh, this gear. You've got beanies, hats, uh, sweatshirts, t-shirts, etc. Yeah, so, you know, kind of after the game, I had, so I had had surgery, uh, is it four weeks from today? So the Monday after Ohio State. And he had been reached out to my mom and, like, and communicating back and forth to her about what his plan, like what he had wanted to do. So I kind of was out of the picture for a while because I had just come off surgery. I was kind of just laying low for a little bit. And then once I felt better, I had, you know, we been in contact and he was like, I really want to do this for you. And I was like really shocked because I didn't really like, I didn't know many people like, I don't know, cared about me as, as much as they I've seen, like there's, there's so many, so much support from the fans and just love from the fans and I feel like it's just so amazing to see um so he obviously you know set that whole thing up and then kind of had released it uh what is it I think three days ago now um I don't know the actual the official website I can't give you the official website but uh it's in my twitter bio at McCormick Cam and uh on my instagram bio at McCormick Cam this might seem like a kind of unfair joke, but your mom laughed. I said, you know, he's, he's got all this eligibility because you got two years back. You're going to be stacking degrees like pancakes. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about your academic accomplishments, accomplishments so far. Uh, okay, so I had uh, I graduated in my undergrad in advertising and journalism in 2019. And I had kind of just taken like uh, a couple terms to just like kind of feel it out and decide what I really wanted to do. I mean, that was a couple years now, but uh, I had got into my master's degree in uh, advertising and brand responsibility to start a COVID, right when COVID started. So knowing then I had, you know, three years left and I was like, well, I'm at least going to be here for, you know, my plan was to be here for two more years then. And now that I'm going through this year and I see that I was injured, like the plan, I was able to extend the plan out for two years so I'll be finishing right around the time that the season starts next year okay. so I will be graduating with my degree in you know advertising brand responsibility a master's degree and uh then obviously play next season so um my plan is really just to attack this rehab to eventually be back out there with the guys I mean I love football and I want to continue to play and be part of this team. Make sure you catch up on the full article about Cam McCormick presented by her very own Aaron Fentress on OregonLive.com. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll take a trip around the Pac-12 in the searching Oregon State Beavers. Are they now the class of the North? We'll break it down when we come back on Talking Ducks.
You're watching Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Welcome back. Let's fly around the Pac-12, courtesy of Eugene Airport. Fly easy, fly E-U-G. Well, there is all sorts of chaos in the Pac-12 North, but it looks like the Oregon State Beavers might be leading the charge in the North. They get the big-time victory. Last-second field goal over the Huskies at home. Beavers now undefeated in conference play with wins over USC and Washington. And, Joey, i got to ask you, it seems like the Beavers are the real deal now. What a turnaround job for Jonathan Smith so far. I, I hate to say this on a duck show, right? You, you, can't, you can't be too glowing on a duck show about the Beavers, right? Um, now, look, Jonathan Smith was the perfect hire for Oregon State. I played against him. He and I were the same class. We played against each other for four years. Well, he played four. I played three. Um, he is just the epitome of what Oregon State was and what Oregon State needs to become in the future. And so what he's done is, is, is nothing short of tremendous, like taking something that was truly at the bottom and is now building a foundation, building it the way that he and Mike Riley and Dennis Erickson did 20 years ago. You know, it, it's interesting. My father-in-law actually made a comment who, after watching the game, he said, you know what is so great about Jonathan Smith is the way that all of his players and all of his coaches look at him on the sideline. They're looking at him saying, what do we do next, coach? And that's that's what he's always inspired. He's never been a, a, a big rah-rah guy, but he commands the attention because he simply gets things done. And you're right. The Beavers are sitting on top of the Pac-12 North and uh, and are in the driver's seat, which is not something I think any one of us uh, would have said at the beginning of the season. Guys, guys, you don't have the problem that I have. Okay? I got a problem because my daughter dates Jaden Grant, the starting safety for OSU. So I'm sitting here in, in, in our house watching our daughter walk around in Oregon State gear. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but... I love the young man. You know, I wish him well. I don't know about the Beavers, but I wish him well. But I, I agree with, jo with Joey. The Beavers, they look pretty good. I, I'm not going to lie. They, they look inspired. They look like they wanted to get something done. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they keep it up. But they look all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay, let's have the journalists in the room keep things real. The bottom line here is that Oregon State is back, baby. Get used to it. Here's the key for me for this team right now. The run defense is the second best in the conference. The rushing offense is the best in the conference. So they're doing well on both sides of the ball in the trenches. And they have a legit quarterback. Chance Nolan is the real deal. He's accurate. He's got toughness in the pocket. And he can scoot. He can run. He's probably the best quarterback in the state. He had an off night against Washington. But that's okay. He's legit. I just love it. I, I want to get back to the days like in 2009 when the Civil War was for the Rose Bowl. I want to see this year's Civil War be for the North Championship. We need that in this state. I think it's great for college football in the state. I'm looking forward to it, you know, happening again. I, I was about to say, Aaron, I know you haven't done this show in a couple of years. We don't call it that anymore. We got to come up with a name for that. And that's our job this entire season is to figure out a new name. 
for this rivalry <laughs> game. But I agree with you, Aaron. I saw him against USC, and after two series, I said, this dude is legit. So the Beavers, they got a great quarterback, great run game, and a defense that is stepping up. It seems like the Pac-12 North will certainly be up for grabs after Stanford knocked off the Ducks as well, too. All right, don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with our toast of this week coming up, and then also what Oregon needs to do in order to win the bye week as we close the doors on this edition of Talking Ducks. You're watching Talking Ducks, built by Par Lumber. Let's have a toast brought to you by Sylvan Ridge Winery, proud partners of the Oregon Ducks. And Joey, I'll let you go ahead and raise your proverbial glass first. Looks like you had something else to say last segment when we were talking about the Beavers. Okay, look, it's not a toast. I get it. I'm going to take it back here. You asked, we need a name for the former Civil War. We already have a trophy. 
It's the platypus cup. Look, we have that <laughs> ugly platypus trophy that they found. They look when they tore down Matt Court, they found the trophy. We have the trophy in hand. It goes back generations. There's Paul Bunyan's axe. There's the little brown jug. There's all these fun, you know, little. It doesn't have to be something serious like a civil war. It's the platypus cup. Okay, I'm throwing that out there. I know everybody hates it, but it is a pure combination between a duck and a beaver, and we have a trophy. Now go toast. I'll do my best to follow that best man speech, but here's our toast, guys. At the end of the day, Oregon loses a very disappointing game to Stanford, but they're still ranked number eight, and the four teams between them and the last playoff spot includes an Ohio State team you've beat, three teams in the Big Ten that have to beat up on each other, and then a Cincinnati team that's not on a Power 5 conference, so you know if they lose a game, it's going to be really hard for a one-loss Cincinnati to crash the party. So with all that being said, Aaron, and you have a bye week coming up where you can get healthy what do you make of some of the positivity and optimism for Oregon for the rest of the season? Okay, first of all, I'm going to boycott the word playoffs. We shouldn't even be talking about playoffs with this team. Best case scenario right now, just concentrate on winning the North. That said, for me, you know, try and get some guys healthy as best you can. Clean up some penalties, but work on the downfield passing game. You have to be able to stretch defenses. This team can't do that right now, and teams are starting to suck up a little bit, take some underneath stuff away from Anthony Brown, and they're going to key on the run game until you prove you can blow the top off the defense, which right now Oregon is not doing at all. Aaron, none of the players are talking about playoffs. I don't even know why. Well, yo, yo, I know why you said that because you're a reporter. <laughs> they don't. They, it's the next game. It's the next game. What? No, Jordan the, brought it up. It's the next game, okay? It's all about getting healthy. It's all about getting the young guys you know, a, a chance to get better, okay? And then who they play next? Cal. That's what they're worried about. We can all say playoffs, oh, that's gone, oh, there, there's still a chance. We don't, they don't care about playoffs. They want to go to the next game, which is Cal, do their thing, and then the next game after that. And if they keep doing that, there may be a chance. But, it, you know, I, people give them this tag, oh, you're going to be in the playoffs. Oh, you're not going to be in the playoffs. Who cares about the playoffs? Just go win the next game. That's what we're looking at. Well, let's get a closing thought from Joey here before we wrap up shop. Joey, all this leading up for the Ducks, where does the focus lie for this team moving forward? I, I don't care about the Ducks right now. I'm just I'm just so happy that there's an unnecessary fight between Anthony and Aaron right now. They're actually agreeing. They're agreeing. Oh. And Anthony is still fighting with Aaron. Like, no, I said playoffs. No, you said playoffs. I ain't going to fight you. <laughs> All right, well, if you guys don't calm down, I'm going to have to turn this thing around because it's time now for our Victory Road presented by Capital Toyota in Salem, your way on the parkway. And to this point, it's a bye week for Oregon, and that's usually tough after these difficult games here, Aaron, where you're stinging a little bit. But to win the bye week for Oregon, is it just a matter of getting healthy and, to your point, figuring out that vertical passing game somehow? Yeah, you just gotta, they, they got to recalibrate their, their season themselves right now figure some things out. And here's here's something else, the penalties. We haven't talked about that. They're 129th in the nation in penalties. That's unusual for a crystal ball team. So they need to work on that. But for me, pretty much just focus on trying to win the North and get healthy. And let's remember, they're still 4-1. and one. Like, they're still going to have a good season. This isn't the sky is falling. Just recalibrate what your goals are. I think the playoffs are pie in the sky. Worry about winning the North. And same thing, Anthony. I mean, how do you respond from a difficult game like Stanford when you've got to essentially stew on it for so long? You don't get that quick bounce back game. You've got to now wait nearly two weeks until you play again. Well, I think we all know, we understand those bad games that you don't want to look at the film. You kind of want to move forward. And this is the bye week. You still want to learn from what you did, the mistakes that you made. But right now, it's about the guys getting healthy. 
they're beat up on defense more so. There's some injuries. You got to get in that cold tub. You got to go see the trainers. You got to find a way to get your body ready to go again. Again, there's some young guys trying to you know, play all the snaps, and they're not used to that. They're just played in high school a couple years ago or last year. So get healthy and then prepare for Cal and have all your focus for Cal. Finally, Joey, you got a bye week staring you in the face. What does this team need to do in order to make the most of their time off? I think they need to find an identity. I mean, that, that's, that's what it is for me is, is, is who you're going to be, right? Are you going to be a team that um, is dominant on the offensive line and, and, and is a run first team? Are you going to do that without CJ Verdell? Uh, how can you be that type of team if, Aaron, like you said, you're 129th in the country in, in penalties, right? Actually, it's 122nd. Correction, I got it wrong the last time. 120 whatever, you know. Point being is, is you need to find out who you are, right? And, and you got to execute that game plan because what we saw from Oregon against Ohio State was – was a very focused game plan and a very well-executed game plan and an identity. From what we've seen in the three other games, I don't think this team quite knows who they are. And until they figure that out, you won't be able to execute that game plan going forward. And I think that's the most important thing, especially with so many young guys coming into this mix. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Talking Ducks. Guys, great to get all of you back together again. I'm finally glad we could get some arguing and disagreement. I didn't know where I was at first when I had all you guys getting on the same page here early, but it'll be great breaking things down. Make sure you join us next week. We'll recap Oregon's bye week, see who got healthy, and set the stage for a matchup against Cal, which seems to be the perfect get-right game for these guys. From all of us here, thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next week.